We are back in Ephesians, looking at chapter 5. We're going to go over the last couple of verses that we had done before we branched down on understanding the will of God. We looked at a number of different examples, a number of different people to learn about how we can understand the will of God, but we are supposed to understand it. It is not something that is supposed to be blind to us, unknown, or seen as mysterious. But in Ephesians 5.15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Anytime we do not understand the will of God or understand it errantly and formulate a decision, we are being unwise. That's any time. If I make a decision, if I change course, set a direction, without the understanding of the will of God, I will be unwise. If I understand what the Word of God says in a wrong way, have a wrong understanding on it, I will make an unwise decision. But there are those times when we understand it correctly and go against it. We're still being unwise, but we're also being prideful and foolish. And you can see which one of those is worse. I wrote this in your outline for you. Stop being rushed into decisions. This is generally what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us to rush into a decision. He wants us to feel an urgency. If I feel an urgency and I make a decision before I have the understanding of the will of God, or before I clear up what I understand to be, I will make a wrong decision. I will make a foolish decision. I will go, more than likely, in an unwise direction. If you don't see circumspectly yet, as the Word was talking about, wait until you do. God seldom, but not never, needs you to make an urgent decision. If you hear people say, God never makes you make an urgent decision, they would be wrong. But it is seldom. A lot of people make urgent decisions. i got to make this decision now. They feel an urgency. Most times, they don't, it's not as urgent as they think. And they, uh, they go in the wrong direction for it. It is the evil one, the deceiver, or our flesh that tends to rush things. And we feel an urgency when there really isn't one. Here's some examples in Scripture. You can write these down. Deal with them as you want to. Just listen to them. But Joseph was told to flee to Egypt. It was urgent. Go now. But he knew exactly what to do. All he had to do was obey what he was told. He didn't have to see circumspectly. He didn't have to look all the way around, get all the, all the things that were happening. He just needed to deal with that. We were on our way, uh, my wife and I, uh, I think it was on Sunday, and we were going from, from um, oh, it was probably Saturday. We were heading from the Tuesday, heading from the funeral, heading up to uh, get up to where the rest of the family was for the things with Baby Etta. And as we were going, all of a sudden there was this, well, there was an obstacle in one of the lanes. We didn't see what it was at the time, but a white van had come to a stop. It was around a corner, and not everybody could see that they had come to a stop. So all of a sudden, the traffic is stopping up ahead of us. And so we put our brakes on and and, uh, came to a stop. But there was a guy on our right who uh, apparently was surprised at what happened. And he came barreling on down, saw that the traffic was stopped, and he put on a squeal. I told my wife afterwards, I said, I was applying the brake kind of aggressively, but uh, not too aggressively. And I'm hearing this squeak. The squeal, and I'm, that can't be me. I'm not applying it that directly. It's just, I don't think I'm at the, the spot of squealing. And then it comes up my right side, and this guy is squealing, and the wheels are turned, and I mean, rubber is just smoking up. And he uh, looked like he was going to hit the car in front of him. He wouldn't have because they kept on moving up, but he thought he was going to. And so he steered out of that lane and moved over into our lane, not in front of us. There was a car in front of us, moved in front of them. Fortunately, there was just enough room for them to get in there, and he was able to cut on in there and, um, and not hit anything. Uh, it made a lot of noise and a lot of smoke. When you get into an urgent situation like that, the idea of what's going on all around you is not important. What's important is what's going on right in front of me. There are times in your Christian walk where you need to just focus on what's right in front of you for an instant. 
When that happens, God will tell you this is what you need to do. You just need to obey. But for the rest of the time, you need to see circumspectly, look around, and God will show you what's happening. Joseph, this was an instance where God says, take the child and flee to Egypt. Go. Get out. And there was an urgency there. And Joseph listened and they went to, they, they went to Egypt. There's another time when Paul was told to flee the city. And he had to go. And they ended up letting him down to the wall so that he could, that he could go. There was a passage in Jeremiah. If you want to look it up later on, you can, but you probably remember this. Jeremiah chapter 42 and 43 discusses a time when the people of Judah came to Jeremiah after a uh, leader had been killed. And they said, tell us what we should do. Go hear from God and tell us what we shall do. And so Jeremiah just said, all right, go. And when I hear from God, I'll come back to you. It took God 10 days to talk to him. God waited 10 days. He didn't come on the first day. He didn't come on the second day. He didn't come on the third day. The Word of God says on the 10th day, he came. And on the 10th day, he told him, nope, tell him to stay right there. Don't go anywhere. And uh, they didn't believe him. And so they said, no, you're lying. We're going to take you and we're all going to go to Egypt. And, and Jeremiah was more stern with them. He said, you guys, you didn't really want to hear what God said to say. You already had it made up in your mind what you're going to do. And that's what they had, had done. But you see, they felt an urgency because of their flesh. There was no urgency. God said, just stay right here. It's going to be fine. They're not going to come. They're not going to wipe you out. They're going to take the guilty people and they're going to judge them, but they're not going to come in here and judge all of you. There was no urgency with God, but there was an urgency with them. Sometimes we pick up an urgency that's not there, and just because I feel an urgency... If God doesn't have that urgency, He does not move on our urgencies. He wants us to trust Him. There's many times my wife and I will be praying about a thing and we'll be talking with each other and uh, we'll just say, I don't feel any kind of urgency with this. I don't feel like we have to make any kind of decision on this. I don't feel like we have to go in any particular direction or uh, whatever it might be. We just didn't feel the, the urgency that was there and so we don't respond in an urgent way. When you respond in an urgent way, you do things that are not necessarily long-range good, but short-range, they help you out. Like the example with that guy with the screeching of the tires. He left a lot of rubber on the road. It wasn't good for his tires, but at the moment, he didn't care about his tires. He cared about his car. He cared about the well-being. He cared about not having an accident. So you sacrifice some things for the future for that urgency. If he had been watching a little bit better, he may not have had to squeal the tires to the degree that he did, but... Sometimes we get ourselves into urgent situations because we're not listening to God saying, hey, go get this done. Go get this checked. Look out for this. This is coming. And we're not listening to those things. And so we can sometimes fall into urgency simply because we didn't hear when God started to get us ready. But he says, therefore, do not be unwise. This is the word that means mindless, stupid, ignorant, egotistic, rash. This is just review here. Just want to go over with you. But understanding... This is the word that means to put together, to comprehend, to consider, to understand, or to be wise. And the will here, thalema, a determination, a choice or inclination, desire, pleasure, or will. We need to understand what is God's determination, what is His choice, what is His inclination, desire, what is it that He wants done. We stone these two verses on this account, 17 and 8, well, 17 and 18, I'll read ahead to 18. On this account, stop becoming those who are without reflection or intelligence, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now then, he goes on here and translates verse 18, which I think sometimes we have to go back to the other translation to understand it. <laughs> I'll read this for you, you'll see. And stop being intoxicated with wine, this is verse 18, and stop being intoxicated with wine, in which state of intoxication there is profligacy. Yeah, I, I shook my head at that too, Miss Gladys. <laughs> profligacy. I don't even use that word. <laughs> but he put that in there for his translation. I'm, I understand it better with the, with the King James. 
but he says, be constantly controlled by the Spirit. Amplified puts 18 this way, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Now, it just gives you a little heads up where the verse we're going to get to here, but I do want to go over one thing. I don't think we went over this too much when we were looking at this before. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That word there for evil is the Greek word poneros. I wrote that in for you so that you would have it. The Greek word poneros. It is evil that causes labor, pain, and sorrow. I pulled out a few definitions. This one comes from Vines. He says it's connected with the Greek word panos, which is labor. It expresses especially the active form of evil where kakos and poneros are put together. Kakos is always put first and signifies bad in character. That kakos is another word that is translated evil. But that word for evil means bad in character. Poneros means bad in effect or malignant. Kakos has a wider meaning, but paneros has a stronger meaning. Paneros alone is used of Satan. It just uses that word by itself to describe Satan, and it might well be translated the malignant one. Here's a place where this is used. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is paneros, evil. Abhor what is paneros, or evil. Cling to what is good, agathos. We talk about agathos quite a bit. That's good as far as its benefit. Paneros is evil in its effect. You see why those two words would be used. Put on opposite ends of the, the spectrum there. But let's go on and read this whole thing. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Are not our days evil? Boy, we just had some things go on this week there with that school shooting down in Texas. That is evil people. Now, people are going to be out there going to try and blame guns. Guns are not evil. Guns cannot be evil. People are evil. People can be good. People can be evil. Put a gun in the hand of a good person. Got a police officer, state trooper, uh, somebody in the military. They can do some good with that. You put it in the hands of someone evil, and then bad things can, can come out. And certainly we saw that there. It's, uh, Paneros is a, it's a word. These, these are people that are not content with being evil themselves. A person who would be described as kakos, or um, evil in their character, I'm evil and I'm okay with that. I know that I'm evil. I know that I'm, uh, I'm not good or not, I have no benefit to society. But I'm okay with that. But a Paneros person says, I'm not okay with just being evil. i got to make sure that I get other people involved in this. i got to make sure that my evil has an effect upon the world. That's what this word is, is describing. So we just have the word evil in English, but here in the Greek they had the two words. Are you evil, kakos, as far as the nature is concerned? Are you evil as far as your effect? So it says the days are evil. We're not just talking about evil as in their nature, we're talking about the effect of these days are evil. And there is a lot of people who are not content with just being evil themselves. They must have that evil affect others. Then they get into deception. You find this hit all aspects of life. In the church, you find ministers who have this evil and they are intent on deceiving people into believing wrong things about the word. They come in and they bring compromises of the Word. Well, we can't do what the Word of God teaches here. We can't do what the Word of God says is a standard here. We have to go to something else. And so they bring other things in as, as far as evil is concerned there. Politicians have evil. They want to make sure that the evil is spread all around. They want to make sure that the evil effect affects people at home. We want it to affect your job. We want it to affect your, your pocketbook. We want it to affect your home. We want to come in there and we want to affect you with evil. This is that type of evil. God says, this is what's coming because the days are evil. So the more evil that these days become, the more circumspect you need to walk. And if you do, God will help you get around the evil that is out there. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
If you're going to be in evil days, you have to understand what the will of the Lord is. Because if you don't, and you have this kind of evil around you, then that kind of evil is trying to influence you in the way that you understand the will of God and what God is doing in this earth. God intends for this to happen. God wants you to have this to, to go on. We've got churches that have decided to, to side with people that are okay with killing babies. And the fact they decided we're not just okay with killing babies, we want to be able to kill them if they survive an abortion and are born outside the womb. And there are people, there are people in the church who agree with this and think that this should be okay. This evil is getting out there, but you need to walk circumspectly and see, wait a minute, this is what the Word of God is saying. This is how the Word of God lays this thing out. That's not right. And you just don't go along with it. So it's important that we see things from the Word of God's standpoint and understand what the will of God is. What is the will of God here? If you understand it, then you can pursue it. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now he says, do not be drunk with wine. Natural things can have excesses. You can have too much of anything that, that's, uh, that's out there. Uh, natural things can have excesses. Now we think about natural things with alcohol because people get drunk off of it. But anything can, natural can be in excess. You can have too much cake. Cake can be a good thing. Cake, you can enjoy a piece of cake maybe once or twice a week after a, after a dinner. Oh, I'm just going to have a piece of cake. And just enjoy that and, not, and feel fine about it. But if all you eat is cake, it's going to be bad. Exercise is good. But you can overdo it with exercise. You can just exercise too much and just wear your body out. It can be a good thing, but you don't want to over, overdo it. Work is a good thing. But if you overwork yourself, then that work becomes a bad thing. So there's all kinds of things. A little bit of it can be good in the natural. In the natural, you can have excesses. You can take something that is good or intended to be good and make it into something bad. But he says here, be not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The word there, filled, is an ongoing action. It's actually in the present linear. It means a continuing action. Be constantly being filled with the Spirit. There is no excesses in the area of the Spirit. You can't walk in too much love. You can't have too much faith. There's no excesses in the, in the area of the Spirit. If you stay in the area of the Spirit. Now you get some people who take some things that are spiritual, make them fleshly, and then go in excess on them. That's not what the Word of God is talking about. But you take these things that are of the Spirit, you cannot have too much of the Spirit on the inside of you. Keep on taking it. Now this word dissipation. I'm, that's not a word I use in everyday language. I don't know about you, but I don't use the word dissipation. Maybe I might use the word dissipate, but I don't use the word dissipation. So I needed to do some looking up to make sure I have an understanding of this. Now, the Greek word is asotia. It means wasteful, excess. And, of course, I put in there dissipation as well. One definition I found for this is though the word did not vary much over time, it did start out describing something incurable or hopelessly sick. That's how the word started out. To describe something that was incurable or hopelessly sick. From that, it denoted one who destroys himself by dissipation or wastes his life. The word hints at willful and deliberate excess whether in eating, drinking, making money, or other activities. Some linguists relate, and this, this was interesting to me, I hadn't, uh, if I heard this, I didn't remember it. Some linguists relate asotia with sozo. How many of y'all know what sozo is? It's the Greek word for salvation, saved. 
it relates it to sozo. So it's kind of like the, the opposite effect. Rick Renner puts it this way, one who has lost his ability to save or to spare himself, this is the person who wastes his life, squanders his money, or desecrates his body because he is drunk and cannot think straight. Due to a mind that has been altered by excessive alcohol consumption, this person thinks irrationally, acts irresponsibly, and commits acts of excess that would normally not even be a temptation. Now, in the, ad- the adverb form of this word, this word is only used three times in the entire New Testament, but the adverb form of this is used to describe the prodigal son. When you see that word prodigal, this is the word that is in there. So after all that, I went into the English and looked up the word dissipation. And this is what it means. A wasting by misuse. Unrestrained indulgence in physical pleasures, especially alcohol, excessive expenditure, wastefulness. When this word is used in the area of physics and mechanics, it describes a process in which energy is used or lost without accomplishing useful work as friction causing loss of mechanical energy. So what he is saying here when he gets into this word, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. When you take on flesh activities, when you take on natural things and bring them into excess, such as wine, you are going to be taking all of your energy and putting it into something that is wasteful and not helpful and not bringing you any return back. So do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now you can think of it this way. What useful thing can you do being drunk with wine? Nope, nothing at all. But be filled with the Spirit. You can do lots of useful things being filled with the Spirit. And so that's where he wants you to be your your focus on. Now again, his context here, we're talking about walking circumspectly, not being fools, understanding the will of God. We're in the days of evil. We've got to know the obstacles that are out there ahead of us. Don't be understanding them in the wrong way. And don't be drunk with wine. Don't be overtaken with things that are fleshly. Don't be overtaken with things that are natural so that it causes you to take your efforts and use them in a way that won't bring, bring back benefit. Spiritual benefit. But be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> now in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it reads this way, and it's very similar to this, this is why we want to bring this passage in. Colossians and Ephesians cover a lot of the same ground. So here in Colossians, he said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So in Ephesians, he says, Be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians, he says, be filled with the Word. You see that? I heard uh, one quote on this. We can no more be filled with the Spirit than you are with the Word. They balance each other out. There are some people that are so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. You've heard that phrase used before. Because they don't have the grounding of the Word. And so what they think is the Spirit is taking them in directions that the Word doesn't back it up. The will of God is known through His Word and His Spirit. The will of God is known through His Word and His Spirit. Knowledge of the Word alone leaves us dry. If all you have is knowledge of the Word, you will be dry. Now, just uh, if you want examples on that, just take some of those seminary professors that have all the doctorates and the PhDs and all the letters after their name and you hear them teach on a topic and it's dry as can be. They, they give you a lot of information about a passage. They'll give you a lot of history about a passage. But you come out of there and you say, my, what did I learn? I told you the example I had in, in this was uh, learning church history in college by one of the foremost authorities of church history in the country. 
Uh, he wrote most of the books on church history. I mentioned him before. Dr. Howard Voss. Uh, if you go into the uh, church, if you go into a bookstore, or if you go online and you look for church history books, you will probably still, he's 40 years ago, but, or, or sometime like that, uh, that he had written these things, but you'll see VOS on the side. Voss, Howard Voss. Big name in church history. And I sat under him for the year and barely made it through the class. He was dry as a bone. Ah, he had just no life in it there at all. And I love history. And I love the church. And I love learning about things. But it was dry. it was tough for me to get through it. And then I go down to Rhema and we take church history again with uh, Dr. Cooper B. We didn't, most people in the school didn't even know he had a doctorate. He didn't advertise it. In fact, some one time during my first or second year there, they announced and said, we just found out the people who hired him. He had been working there for a while. We just found out that he has a PhD. <laughs> he never told anybody, even on his application, that he had, uh, had all that. But you see, he went through the word and he had life in it. He saw the spirit of God in church history. Howard Voss didn't see the spirit of God in church history. He just gave you all the facts and figures of, of what happened. And uh, it was tough to get through it. But uh, Cooper Beattie, I learned a lot of things in church history that I didn't know until he, he came on out and told us some of, the, some of the places where the life of God was through the dark ages and through periods of time when it seemed like the church was not doing what it was supposed to do. Knowledge of the Word alone leaves us dry. Leading of the Spirit alone leaves us unsteady. Because I don't have the Word what I pick up in the Spirit may or may not be God. And I don't have anything to judge it by. So you need the Word to constantly rise in your life and you need the Spirit of God to constantly rise in your life so that you have the Word to judge it by and the Spirit to show you the life that's in it. Just because you know the words that are on the page in the Word doesn't mean you have the revelation of it. You need the Spirit to get that. So it's a combination. Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians, be filled with the Word. We need both things going on in our life. Verse 19. Let's read over 18 again. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So the end result here. Don't be drunk with wine. Now, I'll just give you this note. It doesn't mean you can't go out and have wine. It doesn't mean if you want to have some wine with your supper that you can. I don't. But there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I don't want anybody to be out there seeing me drink something and say, oh, I have license to, to do whatever. And the second reason is, I don't like it. Can't stand this stuff. Anything with alcohol, the smell just drives me crazy. So it's not like it's some super spiritual... Uh, attitude that I have that keeps me from all that. I don't like it. And I'm not going to drink something I don't like. So I stay away from it. Always have. Never have gone after it. Um, but he says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's the state you're supposed to be in. Speaking to one another. When you are filled with wine, you will do some of these same things, but differently. If you are filled with wine, do people that are drunk speak to one another? <laughs> they do, don't they? They speak rather freely with each other. And they slur their speech and they say things that they may not otherwise have said. But he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what we're supposed to be doing under the influence of the, of the Spirit. But under the influence of wine, you'll be singing some songs, but it probably won't be spiritual songs. You'll be speaking to one another, but you're not going to be speaking the same kind of things that he's talking about speaking here. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. People that are drunk, they're singing and they're making melody, but it's not to the Lord. Giving thanks always. For all things to God, the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when you are filled with the Spirit, there will be a giving of thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord or fear of God. So here's the result. And it's the same thing as in Colossians. We'll go over that here in a minute. First off, speaking to one another. We need to be speaking to, filled with the Spirit is going to cause you to be speaking to one another, not gibberish, not useless words, but words that are from what you're filled with, which is the Spirit of God. So you're going to be speaking from that source, the Spirit of God. You're going to be speaking to one another. You're going to be singing to the Lord. You're going to be giving thanks always, and you will be submitting yourself. The next section, he's going to get into more in the submission part. We're not getting into that here tonight. But then look over here in Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. See, there's a speaking to one another in it. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sounds like almost the same thing, doesn't it? There's going to be a speaking to one another when you are filled with the Word of God. There's going to be a singing to the Lord. Verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So there's going to be that giving thanks. That's going to be there as well. When you are filled with the Word, when you are filled with the Spirit, the end result will take you in the same place. It's not like being filled with the Word is going to take you to a different place than being filled with the Spirit is. Both is going to take you to the place of speaking to one another words along the lines of what you are filled with. You're going to be speaking words of the Word. You're going to be speaking words of the, of, that are of the Spirit. You're going to be singing, giving glory to God. You're going to be giving thanks always. And as Paul puts it in Ephesians, the end result is you are going to be submitting yourselves one to another. Now, if we are not speaking, singing, and giving thanks, we're not filled with the Spirit and or the Word. Because if you are filled with the Spirit, and if you are filled with the Word, you will be speaking, singing, and giving thanks. These are the things you're going to be doing. If you go around grumbling about your life, if you go around grumbling about things that are happening to you, oh, woe is me. That is, you, you have let out the feeling. You had the word, you just got to let it out. Got to get back in there and fill it back up again. Fortunately, you can. There's plenty of word. Get out there and fill it up again. But don't be going over there grumbling and complaining. That's not a person who is filled with the word. I heard, I uh, listened to Brother Hagen uh, this week, last week. I'm not sure if it's any of those ones I had sent out there to you or not, but he was talking about uh, himself and also uh, another person that he knew that constantly they would just be saying, praise the Lord, glory to God. I think one person uh, uh, said it to him and said, I believe that's just a habit with you. He just all of a sudden just, you know, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And he says, I believe that's just a habit of you. Of you. And he said, well, it's a habit I didn't used to have. <laughs> I thought that was a great phrase. It's a habit I did not used to have. Well, the more that you walk in being filled, constantly being filled, we're not talking about you come in, have your morning devotions, go to church, or and get filled up for the moment, and then go on out and, and let it all out. No, you stay filled. When you stay filled with the Word, when you stay filled with the Spirit, these are the results. You will be speaking to one another in certain ways. You will be singing to the Lord in certain ways. You will be giving thanks always. And you will be submitting yourselves. Many times things happen to us and we're not giving thanks. We, oh, I can't believe this happened to me. Oh, why are these things happening to me? Now, we've uh, looked at all of the Word of God and we are not to be giving thanks, oh God, I'm so thankful that you sent this to me. That's not what you have to do. But you, no matter what situation you are in, glory to God, Father God, I thank you that you are here to help me, 
and we are going to get out of this. And no matter where this thing came from, I'm going to be made better because we're getting out of this. This isn't hanging on. You stay thankful. Always stay grateful. The enemy is looking to get you to a place where you are not grateful for what you have. You are not thankful for what you have. He wants you to get you into covetousness. Well, look at what they have. I want what they have. I want to go in that direction and have that. I wish God would have done this for me. And you become ungrateful for what you had. It's what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. They became ungrateful for the wonderful thing of the garden because they couldn't have the one thing on the tree. When you are filled with the Spirit, when you are filled with the Word, you will be speaking to one another these ways. You will be singing to the Lord. You will be giving thanks always. You will be submitting yourselves. If we experience pressure and pressure comes upon our life, whatever comes out is what you're filled with. You've heard that example before. Get a sponge. If you squeeze that sponge, whatever's in it is what comes out. If you are filled with the Spirit, then what is of the Spirit will come out when pressure is applied. When life puts pressure on you, what comes out? What might we be filled with? That's where you're going to find out. Now looking at the words of most Christians, what is their status? How many Christians do you see? They're not speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're not speaking things of the Word. They hear something, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that... I don't understand why God would have done that to you. They just speak these, these things to you. It's not helping you out. They're not speaking things to encourage you in your faith. Looking at the words of most Christians. You can find out what their status is. Now, don't be using them as an excuse, but set yourself up to be something better. Be constantly filled with the Spirit. If you were having to make a decision... You don't understand what the will of God is yet on that situation? Get in there. I need to be filled up more. Get in there. Pray in the Spirit. Fill yourself up some more. Get in there and study the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God for the situation. Build yourself up on the thing. And what will come out will be good. Go around just talking to God. Father God, I thank you for the good things that are going on in my life. Give Him praise. Give Him thanksgiving. These are the things that should be coming out. But the enemy wants to turn that. He desires to turn it and to get you so that you're not grateful for what happens. This is one of the things we see of society today. More so, I think, than any time that I've ever seen in my study of history. More so, is this society is ungrateful. This society is unthankful. This society expects things that they should happen. Well, that just should come to me. Boy, they should just pay me for just showing up. They want me to work too? Now, being spiritual does not make you fruity, flaky, unstable, or unapproachable. There are some people in the Christian church, they got so spiritual, you can't even get close to them. You can't even approach them anymore. That's not the Spirit of God. Jesus was the most spiritual person on the face of the earth, and people could approach Him. Paul, Extremely spiritual person. And people could approach him. I never got the idea that even Moses was unapproachable. It seemed like all kinds of people were coming up to him and talking with him about things. Being spiritual should not make you unapproachable. The people, you know, well, you're the riffraff. I don't need to have you. You can't benefit me in any way. That's not spiritual. That's flesh taking on the look of being spiritual. It doesn't make you fruity. How many people, don't raise your hand, how many people know some people in your life, they uh, pass themselves off as being spiritual, but they are fruitcakes. They are fruity. They're weird in the way that they act. And uh, you don't need that. They're flaky. It's not the same. They can be going in one direction, and then all of a sudden they change. What happened? Well, God told me that I need to go this way. They're blaming God for their flakiness. They're blaming God for their instability. God is stable. God is steady. 
being spiritual does not make you fruity, flaky, unstable, or unapproachable. It would do quite the opposite. Since you understand more and walk in greater wisdom, what you say makes the most sense. If you listen to God and speak His words, there will be people who don't want to listen and don't want to take it. Don't sit there and argue with them. You are not here to argue people into the truth. You are here to present the truth. If people don't recognize the truth, move on. Because there are people who are not going to recognize the truth. But how many of you know? You've, uh, you've heard some, maybe some of you never heard talk about it, be- never heard talk before, never heard share the word before, and all of a sudden they start sharing some things, teaching some things, and down in your spirit you say, oh, yes, that feels right. Because your spirit witnessed to it. Because when you are walking in the spirit, what you say, it will make sense. Now, if you turn off the things of God, it won't. So what are you filled with? What comes out when pressure is put on you? What is vocalized? Sometimes we get upset because we're in pressurized situations. I don't want to be in situations where there's pressure. Well, you ought to. Because when pressure is applied, you get to find out what's on the inside. And if bad stuff comes out, just be glad. I rejoice always. All right, well, that showed me there's something inside of me that needs to get out. <laughs> now I'm going to work on that and we're going to uh, take care of that. The way most people try and get rid of the negative things in their life is they try not to do them. And that which most of us, if, if, if I don't want to do, if I don't want to have a certain thing going on in my life, I got to stop doing it. Just like if you're dieting. If you're dieting, I got to not eat all those fatty foods that I like so much. Like, um, Pizza, uh, cheesesteaks. How many like cheesesteaks? I'm not a fan. I'll have maybe, I'll eat maybe one cheesesteak a year, maybe two. I just don't like them though. I, they're okay. If there, you know, if I'm hungry, I'll eat. But nah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not Philly enough for, <laughs> for that. But I love pizza. I like good pizza. I don't like everybody's pizza, but I like good, I like some good pizza. But if you um. If you're looking at your diet and say, well, this has to go and this has to go and this has to go. And you try and and walk out saying, no, 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 no. It's real hard if you're hungry. So what you need to do is to find other things that you like and fill up on those. And eat those, those things. When you can fill up your life with things of God, then the things of people, the things of man, the things of the flesh will fall off. I think uh, the story was uh, Keith Moore told before. He had a man that came to him. He's up there and he wanted to get saved. His wife really wanted him to get saved. His wife's been praying for him for a while to get saved and he's just uh, not. He's, he's out there in church and I think Brother Keith was telling him, why don't you just come on in? He said, well, I would, but i got to get rid of this and get rid of that. And, you know, I still like to smoke and I still like to... And he named some of the things he liked to do. i got to get rid of those things before I can come on in. And Brother Keith said, no! You don't have to get rid of all those things. Just get saved. Just give your life to God. Don't worry about all that stuff. And Because he knew. You give your, your life to God. You pursue the things of God. You won't want to do those things. Sure enough, the guy got saved. He gave his life to God. Came back a couple weeks later and said... I don't even want to do those things anymore. You see, you tried it on his own to get rid of them. You tried it in the flesh. You can't do it in the flesh. You just go after God in the spirit. And those things you don't like will begin to fall off. The main way that you're going to get rid of the old way of acting, the main way you're going to get into this, this way of walking, speaking to one another, singing to the Lord, giving thanks always, submitting yourselves. The next section he gets into submission. That's always a fun one for people. But the way that you get into it is to be filled with the Spirit and to be filled with the Word. The more words you get filled with and right understanding of that Word, not this nonsense some people try and teach. I heard people, they try and teach something about the Word of God. They read the Word of God and then they come up with something that's completely um, not in the Word. You get filled up with that sort of stuff, it's not going to drive anything out. But you get filled up with the Word. You get filled up with the knowledge of His will. You get filled up with His Spirit. Those things will not survive. You just don't want to do them. How much better would we be 
if we wanted to do something like a diet, if we never desired to eat another dessert again. Just didn't want it. Just the thought of eating a cookie would make you ill. No more cake, just don't want it. Just don't want it. How much easier is it to say no to something that you just don't want? You know, for me, it's real easy to say no to Brussels sprouts. I'm never tempted with Brussels sprouts. They can put them out there. I have family members, they love making Brussels sprouts, and they make them with bacon and all sorts of other things, and they just love them. And I, I'm never tempted. They're out there on the table. I am never tempted to eat one. How much better would it be if we're just never tempted? Get into the Spirit. Walk after the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with His Word. You will find out that the things of the flesh, you just don't want them. When you're going around and understanding wants to come to you about the will of God, and it's apart from the Word of God, you're going to say, no, no, that's down in my spot. I know that's not right. That's not right. In order for me to take that in, part of what I'm filled with needs to leave. And that's one of the areas that when you get so filled with the Spirit, when you get so filled with the Word, that parts of that have to leave in order for false things to come in. It's really easy for you to pick out what's false. Wait a minute. I, I have to let this part go out. And No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not sure why that's wrong, but I know it has to be because it's taking the place of these things that are good in my life. What are you filled with? Don't be filled with the wrong things. Be filled with the good things. It will change your life. It will alter the way that you go. You won't have these urgencies that you've had before. Always having to make an immediate decision. And then find out you made the wrong one. You went the wrong direction. You did the wrong thing. No, you're calm. You're at ease. You're listening to the Spirit of God. Taking the wisdom from Him. And if God puts an urgency on it, then you respond with an urgency. If God doesn't put an urgency on, I don't take the urgency of the people that are around me. In the natural, in the business world, they will teach you this. If you get into I, I love time management. I love learning about time management. I listen to a lot of people on time management. Years ago, uh, there was a number of people that were out there, and they were teaching on these things. And I, I love listening to, to them and, and hearing what they had to say. And one of the things that they would do is teach you how to guard other people's urgencies becoming yours. Because someone else didn't schedule their time right. Because someone else didn't foresee something. Now they have an urgency and they want to come and bring it in on you and bring that urgency there so that you're dealing with their urgency instead of dealing with the things that are on your plate, the things that are important for you, the things that you need to get done. And they want to transfer that urgency to you. And um, you know, just don't do it. People will try and do this, but uh, it's not going to help you. It's, you're not going to even help them in, in doing that. Don't be pulled off. The enemy loves to bring people into your life and because of their urgency, steer you away from what you're supposed to do. And sometimes it's in ministry areas. They come along and they, oh, I got this thing going on. Can you take some time and talk with me? Well, if they haven't listened to the Word of God, why are they going to listen to you? Yeah. I had uh, some people when I was a youth leader and uh, certain people... Yeah, teens, you know, they have these huge problems that are not problems at all. <laughs> you've, uh, you've seen some of that. And sometimes you just want to laugh at it, but, you know, you can't. You sometimes have to get in there and help them to, uh, to get past it. But there were times that certain people would come along and they would just try and play games with urgencies. And uh, fortunately, can't say for every one of them, but fortunately I, I learned how to listen to the Spirit of God on that. And, uh, and walk away from some of it. Because sometimes people would, uh, would try and do that. One of the most uh, glaring ones was this one, one um, girl in the youth group. And, oh, she's crying. She's just carrying on about this mess that she's in and so forth. And uh, I, I had wisdom when I know this is a show. This is just gaining attention. And so they stayed out longer. They knew I'm always the last one to leave church. I was the first one at church then. I was the last one to leave. I would get there sometimes 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't leave that particular church. I wouldn't leave it until sometimes midnight. It'd just be there the whole day. 
I'd be there for the morning service, I'd be there for all the afternoon activities, and then I'd be there a lot of times teaching in the evening service, and then you're talking with the people after the evening service. It'd just go on for a long time. And, um, and then I would, by the time I would leave, Monday morning, I was usually leaving from my job around 4.30 in the morning. So it made for some, some long days. But I saw this person that were on the end, end of the parking lot just inside the, the lights they had and uh, just uh, giving every single signal that they could that they were upset and they were carrying on over there. And I saw them off on the side. I'm by myself over there. She's by herself over there. And I just uh, I got to my car, opened it up, and uh, waved at them, said, See you later. <laughs> got in my car and left. <laughs> it was a game. They were playing a game. And I wasn't going to play. See, it was an urgency. But I learned, at that point, I learned how to not let your urgency get put on me. I'm not going to do that. Make sure that you do that. The enemy will take people who were legitimately upset about something and try and transfer their urgency to you. Oh, you need to come right now. Oh, you need to talk to me right now. Oh, I need help right now. Um, no. Most people are not that urgent. Look at people. A lot of times the reason they're having the problems in their life is because they're not filled with the right things. You've got to get them turned on to being filled with the Word and filled with the Spirit. If you do those things, most of your problems you'll find not that big a deal. Besides that, God will give you the insight on what to do. Your focus will be right. You just won't have the problem. You cannot talk people through anything if they're not filled with the Word and they're not filled with the Spirit. You can talk them through and, and put them in the right direction for right now. And as soon as they leave you, they're going to go back to what they're filled with. And the same problems are going to come, come right back on up. You've got to get them off of that. Be filled with the Word. Be filled with the Spirit. Most of your problems aren't going to be there. Now, it does no good to be say, I'm filled with the Word, filled with the Spirit, and don't do it. People that are filled with the Word and filled with the Spirit do what the Word says. They do it. The Word says it, oh, I'm going to do it. People that want to put on a show, they don't do what the Word says. So if you got somebody, you, you know the Word of God says, oh, I know the Word of God says that, but they're not doing it. They're not filled with the Word. They're not filled with the Spirit. That's where the problem is. You can't talk them through that. You've got to get them to the point where they are filled with the Word, filled with the Spirit. Evidence of it is you are doing what the Word says. And here's the other evidence. In Ephesians and in Colossians, they are speaking to one another in the way that Paul outlines. They are singing to the Lord in the way that Paul outlines here. They are giving thanks always in the way that Paul outlines here. And, as Paul says here in Ephesians, they are submitting themselves to one another. And that's the part we get to talk to talk about more next week. Father, we thank you for your word. Your walking in your way is not complicated. If we, are be, if we will commit ourselves to be filled with the Spirit and to be filled with the word, to not just get filled up and, and stop, but to be constantly being filled. That's our focus every day. Fill me with the word. Fill me with the Spirit. And do the things that come to us to do in the Spirit, in the word. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, singing to the Lord, giving thanks always, finding ourselves submitting, not lording it over those that are around us. We will find that most of our problems will go away. I thank you that we can have this victory. In the name of Jesus, amen.